0: Welcome back to black, white...
1: But mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between right and wrong are blurred by our different values and experiences.
0: If we take the time to look beyond the labels, we understand that most things are complex and nuanced. Not every situation is good or bad. Not everything is right or wrong. There are many gray areas in life, and that's what we're here to explore. So open your minds and join us. Welcome all to episode four of Black, White, But Mostly Gray, and the second of a two-part series on obsession with skin color. In our last episode, we talked about colorism, a term coined by Alice Walker, author of The Color Purple, that she defines as prejudicial or preferential treatment of a same race people based solely on their color.
1: Yeah, Leaky, you know, too often, rather than celebrate and admire others who are a different shade or hue than us, we use skin color to judge someone. And that really plays into the hands of racism. Before we dive into the second part of our series, though, let's take a little journey into a Leaky's world. Yes?
0: Bring it on. Let's go.
1: Okay. I admit I had to look up this word to make sure we could say it on the air. Uh, So tell us about animism and why you think it's at the center of the universe. Maybe you could start by reading the post that you have out there on animism.
0: So I said, animism is, was, and will always be at the core of all the mainstream beliefs we've been indoctrinated into.
1: Yeah, and then you hashtag the heck out of it. But <laughs> in any case, animism, define that for us. Because animism- I didn't know until I looked it up.
0: Animism is just a concept that everything ha- is sentient, that it has this soul, whether we're looking at plants or rocks, that everything that we see, that we interact with has an essence. It has a soul. And this is the core belief of, you know, a lot of indigenous cultures around the world. My family is probably not going to like this when they hear this, but I think my great grandparents, you know, they had Islamic names and everything. but They didn't practice. I think they were animists. You know, a lot of Africans practiced animism before the advent of the Abrahamic religions. And so did Native Americans and a lot of other indigenous uh, cultures around the world. We're essentially saying the same thing, you know, but there's just more of a, a unified look to life that all comes from the same thing, the same spirit. And that that spirit lives within everything So, therefore, everything is alive. There's no such thing as death or birth per se, because we don't necessarily die. You know, it's just transition. We transition from one form of energy to the next.
1: Christians look at it and, you know, they believe the universe is created by one God who governs with one will. While, you know, animism is more that everything has a soul, both animate and inanimate.
0: Yeah, but it's not different, you know, these different things don't have, like, different gods or, you know, spirits animating them. It's the same, it's the same source, basically.
1: All right, up next is a TikTok video that you posted that calls out King James. We don't know if it's the first or second in, in the video, but a company, the Royal Africa Company, that basically bought and sold slaves. Yes. What's more, you found a way to tie this one back to one of your relationships gone wrong, which I always find fascinating. So maybe tell <laughs> us a little bit about this one.
0: Well, you know me and my relationships. You know, I'm doing a, you know, research here. I'm I'm here on Earth to research relationships. <laughs> but You're no, one of the few
1: people I know that's broke up with a, a person over a Bible.
0: Oh, it's a big one for me because you oh, know he was, well, this post, you know, I got it from uh, Africa Stream. It's a TikTok page that focuses on African issues. So this one was basically talking about the Royal Africa Company that was set up back in the day, you know, by King James uh, the second. That's what they said. Um, but I guess it turns out it was King James, what, the...
1: the King James that first. commissioned it? Yeah, that commissioned, commissioned uh, King the King James Bible. Bible. And then King James second. I don't know what his relationship is, but you kind of got heavy into the slave slave trade.
0: Yeah. I about four years later. Yeah. Well, these Jameses are like the Don daughters. I mean, the British um, and the followed the Portuguese, but yeah. So that to me kind of jumped out because I was like, Oh, there we go again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of the relationship aspect of it. You know, to me when I heard the King James vi- version of the Bible, cause that's what, Specifically, he said he wanted me to read and like live by. So, you know, I kind of got, you know, a little uh, animated about the whole thing. And I asked him, you know, tell me about King James. You know, why does he have his own version of the Bible and what's the significance? I wanted to know for sure because he was very specific about it. And you know well, he just he got all be, you know belligerent talking about I'm trying to save your soul from going to hell this this and that so you know I was like no thanks dude I I'll pass. But, by the you way, know,
1: I met mm-hmm. this guy and I knew immediately there was no long term future, but I just watched as it slowly disintegrated.
0: How do you know who I'm even talking about, Dad? I know
1: exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. All yeah. right, let's talk about your final post. All right. Uh this is from internet entrepreneur and podcaster Lewis uh House. He has a very popular podcast out there that's got a thousand episodes, a hundred million downloads, and he's one of your favorites, Aliki.
0: Yes, he uh, is.
1: Why don't you read the quote first?
0: It says the most important habit you should develop is the ability to always believe in yourself. And I second that message uh, because it is a lot of, you know, you won't know this about most people, but a lot of people suffer with that. You know, a lot of people don't believe in themselves for one reason or another. You know, I am a typical example of that. It's something that I've been working on all my life because the earlier messages for me growing up was like, well, you know, you're a girl. That's why your dad's not here. If you were a boy, you know, it would be different. You know, you kind of like the sense that you're worthless. So you just grow up not believing in yourself. You know, I hated being a girl uh, growing up. Um, Ran around with the boys, you know, try to wear pants. Although in my culture, girls are not supposed to wear pants back in the day. So I was doing all of that stuff just because I didn't like the messaging I was getting. So it's taken me a while to grow into loving my womanhood. Uh, Now, you know, I celebrate it, but it takes time. So these are just little reminders I like to post for myself and anyone out there that may be going through, you know, similar things.
1: Well, there you have it. Words of wisdom from our favorite Gemini, my favorite Gemini. When we come back, we'll talk about the worldwide obsession with making our skin either lighter or darker when some cross the line and others pretend to be someone they're not.
0: So hang tight. We'll be back in a minute.
1: What's the perfect skin color, Leaky? It probably wouldn't surprise you to learn that India is the world's highest consumer of whitening creams. It's tied to, uh, in part to the deep seated belief there that, you know, lighter skin tones are better than darker ones. The caste system is based partly on that. But did you know that India is second only to China in consuming self tanning products as well? Not just whitening, but tanning products. <laughs> so I guess the dark want to get light and the light want to get dark.
0: I guess I mean, I think first of all, the perfect skin color is dark chocolate <laughs> because that's just me being biased. Yes yeah, sir. So um, it is amazing that. Uh, that slightly more than one in ten Indians say they have used tanning products in the last three months. I mean uh, that's surprising to me given that uh, you know they're also the biggest consumers of whitening products.
1: Yeah, so- not everybody's using self tanning products to make their s- skin tan. Some some are using it to, you know, improve their skin tone, make skin brighter and healthier looking, or oh yeah, you know, even out skin color. I mean, Michael yes. Jackson spent his whole life trying to figure out what s- skin tone he wanted to be.
0: Michael Jackson's, they claim he was this, uh, in a vitiligo, which does exist. Uh, but in terms of using these other, you know, creams just to, you know, like to make your skin glow. Yeah, you know, we women, we spend so much money on all of that stuff. I mean, even people who are not using these creams, like in Indian culture and some Africans, I've even tried it before. Um, and one of my Indian friends told me, because her and her sisters were dark, they used to give them, um, what is it? Is it the the... Uh, what is that that yellow product they use for cooking? It's, it's uh, curry, curry powder. You know, you put, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You put curry powder and you know some creams and stuff. It gives you that glow. You know, uh, some people overuse it, so they end up looking uh, kind of weird, especially when your skin is very, very dark. But curry powder is kind of known for giving you that glow, and then you have other things like you know orange peels and things like that we women were crazy about that stuff. Uh, even here in this country, there are a lot of, you know, black people, you know, who are lighter complexions that still use sun creams, you know, to even the skin tone. I mean, not, not just, you know, lighter skin black people, black people in general, like women, even men. Sometimes you get, you know, like you get patchy skin or whatever and their creams, you know, that help with evening out your skin tone and things like that. So those exist. Um and I think almost all of us at some point, you know, we try those, but that's, I think, different from Tolly Chana, make your skin totally either dark or white.
1: Well, I will admit that I use self-tanning products once in a while, cause I don't like my legs to look like albinos.
0: Does it work, Dino? You're like as white as they come. I, I know, <laughs> yeah. Don't you go straight to being like looking reddish?
1: You know what they got better with, you know, you no, it used to be orange. And and Uh, now it's a little better than that. But, you know, uh, plus I'm an old guy. Nobody cares what I look like anymore, so I can get away with it.
0: (laughs) How about you? Have you
1: ever used any lightening products?
0: I haven't used any lightening products, but I have used uh, products to, like, even up my complexion. Like, when I have breakouts and I get these dark spots, you know, I, I like to sometimes use those creams to make those dark spots go away faster. You know, so but I don't want to have lighter skin. I love my complexion the way it is. You know, that gives me an edge, whether people discriminate against me with it or not, it's their problem.
1: It hasn't always been like that for Americans, especially. I can't speak to Europeans, but I know Europeans are are very uh, into getting tans, whether laying out in the sun or using self tanning products. Um, we could probably all credit Coco Chanel, with bringing the tan to, you know, the American uh, popularity, um, you know, early on, really into the 1920s, fair skin was associated with wealth. We've talked about that in the last episode. We've talked about it now, and if you had a tan, it it probably, we're talking white people primarily, meant uh, that you either worked outside or you did physical labor. And if if you're a woman, you know you know you cover your skin and uh, you know, pale as a driven snow was was considered attractive. But then Coco Chanel, she's on a on a boat, she was a French fashion designer. She was on a boat, got a sunburn. People saw this and they said, "Wow, that looks really cool. It looks healthy. It looks beautiful." And uh, the new trend was in it's kind of weird that there's people with light skin trying to get dark and dark skin trying to get get light a leaky what's that all say to
0: us a little it's just we human beings we're not we're never satisfied with anything <laughs> we always want what's different you know uh what's trendy and I I just think it's part of being human uh being curious and but you know I I I'm a big fan of Coco Chanel just because I really love her style and everything she did in the fashion industry. But I even like her more now with this story, you know, I mean, you know how it is in men cu- many cultures, lighter skin is viewed as a symbol of beauty, wealth, and success. You know, while darker skin is associated with negative stereotypes and discrimination. And it took her <laughs> to basically turn that around. I mean, accidentally. So, I mean, uh, yeah, more part to Coco Chanel. Uh, she's she's moved up you know, uh, another notch on my, my list of favorite people uh, regarding that issue. But yeah, it's just, you know, going back to this whole dichotomy of, you know, white people, want, some light-skinned people wanting to be dark and dark-skinned people wanting to be light is just, I think it's the human condition.
1: There's an author and musician, her name is Layla Wuzir. She wrote a book called "Not Quite White." She's got a different take on the fake tan industry. She she says that it's a multi-million-dollar industry run on insecurity, and that uh, fake tans uh, all exist on the same spectrum. That changing your skin color ultimately serves to uphold the same system of double standards and issue of insecurity over your "quote unquote" natural color. So in her world, it's not okay to praise white people for using their skin color as a trend while people like like her, brown people of color, face real oppression due to the same skin color that, you know, the privileged white are trying to get. What do you think about all that?
0: Well, you know, it's kind of hard to speak on that. Because, you know, she's of mixed race. I always think mixed race have the best, the best of both worlds, I think. But, I mean, in our culture, in, in, in American culture, of course, that's still, you know, still a problem because you have, you know, the one drop rule and, you know, they're classified as black. And hey, Talk
1: about over. the one drop rule, because I just think this thing is the most idiotic thing in the face of the earth. But the one drop rule.
0: From what I understand, I should probably do a little bit more research on that, that if you have... If just 1% blackness in you, uh, you are, it doesn't matter how white you look on the outside, you are classified as a black person in this country. So for a long time, you had a lot of people who had that in them, but they passed as whites. And so I think that's where the issue comes in. Like when we look at, we start talking about people like, uh, you know, like these white women who are identifying as black, like the Rachel Dolezal's you know, who was like, uh, what was her title? She was like some higher up uh, at the NWCP out in Spokane, Washington. And, uh, you know, she even took like an African name. I think her African name is Nkechi Diallo, something like that. And, you know, when she was basically cornered and they asked her, you know, why would you, you know, this is blackfishing or whatever. She was like, we all come from Africa. So when you think about this (laughs) one drop rule, you know, I mean, how many how many white people actually are out there? How many people are out in this country who have black in them, but their parents and their ancestry or people in, in, the, in the family line have basically said they were white and they passed for it? Think about it. Maybe Rachel is one of those people. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah.
1: You know, back a few years ago, I think it was 2017, Chris Rock famously said, there's not a white man in America would trade places with me, and I'm rich. Um, you know, when, when we talk about, it's probably true. Well, I would trade places with. Well, I wouldn't because I got you a good life.
0: Exactly.
1: But I, I don't, I, I wouldn't not trade places with him just because he's black. I mean, he's pretty funny. He's got a good life.
0: And he's but, rich.
1: But it, 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 you know, as you talk about rachel and and others there are some who would trade places and and some who pretended to be black generally it's been women we haven't heard too many cases of white men uh wanting to be black but yeah just for the perks but there it's deeper than that isn't it
0: i think there's a deeper you know there's some who are just doing for the perks and then i think you know, for some, it's an addiction. There's some people who actually just feel like they're Black or they can relate more with Black culture or with Black people. And then, you know, you do have that whole concept of that everyone comes from Africa. So if someone decides that, hey, if our ancestry, if, you know, uh, our, the oldest ancestor we have so far that's been proven was a Black African woman, You know, why not claim that aspect? You know, like Rachel said, you know, we're all from Africa. So (laughs) it becomes kind of difficult to point fingers sometimes when those arguments are thrown in your face. Uh, But I also think there's some addiction there. You know, the the word transracial has also been, you know, brought up when describing, you know, women who do such things. Uh, But ultimately for me, I feel like, Anyone, you know, a white woman trying to be black like me, especially, especially that German woman who actually has been getting injections <laughs> to look, and she she's almost as dark as me. And we're talking about a blonde, fair-skinned German woman who now is very dark-skinned, and she came on this show wearing an African outfit and everything. I was like, wow. You know, they say imitation is the, what, highest form of uh, flattery? Flattery. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, this woman wants to look like me, and she's German. So, you know, that was an ego boost to me. I like her.
1: <laughs> well, you know, there was a USA Today article that talked about Avita Saraswati, Rachel uh, Des- Dolezal, uh several others. Um, Jessica
0: Krug. Mm-hmm. That Jessica one actually Krug. comes from our hood right then. Um, she went to school at UW-Madison, actually. She's from the Midwest. Jessica Krug. She's, uh, you know, a Midwestern woman of Jewish descent that decided that she was going to take up uh, an identity as a North African woman. Uh, And then she also, you know, took up an Afro-Latina identity. (laughs) But during 2020, during the riots of uh, 2020, she uh, actually confessed. She confessed and, you know, she was very apologetic about all of that stuff. And then she just vanished. No one has heard from her since. But I could kind of see how a Jewish woman, you know, with curly hair, maybe tan skin. It's so easy to identify as a North African. North Africa is made up of, you know, a lot of people think most North Africans, you know, are Arabic descent. But a lot of North Africans, basically of the the Europeans in the Mediterranean area, mixed with, you know, Africans. So there's that. And so it would be very easy to do. And then, of course, Afro-Latina. Come on, so easy. Uh, But I think the issues come in when uh, these women then end up uh, uh, benefiting from programs like, you know, like affirmative action programs and things like that. Uh, I think that's when black people or other black women go, you know, kind of ham on them and be like, oh, no, you know, (laughs) you're not literally going through the same and your people haven't gone through the same discrimination. That you know we've been through, so you're not entitled to this.
1: It doesn't always cross the line into you know pretending to ble- be a different race. It can be just kind of to look cool. Um, you, you, you think about Ariana Grande; she's very clearly white.
0: I never knew her. Very very,
1: very very dark tan, uh, and some of some have claimed that uh, uh, you know she's she's guilty of a black fishing. Uh, which is a relatively new concept. I'll let you describe blackfishing because I'm an old white guy.
0: Uh, Well, blackfishing, the way I understand it is, you know, white people, you know, like darkening their skin to try to look a little bit more black. Uh, And to be honest, I never knew Ariana Grande was white. I just, I thought she was like Hispanic. Or maybe like if she was white, it was like, you know, that Italian white, you know, Mediterranean type. Because she kind of, I mean, it doesn't even look fake. She, I've never seen any picture of Ariana Grande looking white, white. She's always kind of had that tan, you know, like kind of Spanish or a mixed race person would have, you know, a a mixed race person on the lighter side. So like when I, I read this, you know, I was like, Ariana Grande is white. But I think we're now, you know, we're, for, for good reasons, I understand where black people are coming from and especially black women with this black fishing because you do see a lot of it like on Instagram and a lot of these social media sites where some of these white women they do look like they're light-skinned black black women. And I think a lot of black women resent that of uh, you know for one reason or another. but you know like Kim Kardashian, you know, she got assailed for wear- wearing cone rolls. You know, and, you know, some black women were saying, oh, you know, that's, you know, cultural appropriation. You know, white women don't really wear cone rolls. You know, like Kim Kardashian is just she's trying to be black. Culture is kind of fluid in a way. I mean, especially here in America where you have people coming from different areas of the world. I mean, a lot of white Americans probably won't like to hear this, but essentially we're all immigrants. You know, some of our ancestors just got here before others did and we brought in different cultures and we continue to borrow from other cultures. You know, we are a very uh, diverse, you know, culturally diverse nation. So you're going to see, and if I see something that I really like and I can do it, you know, why not? You know, why should I be kind of demonized for that? But okay. then you you look into the history of slavery and, you know, and all of this stuff, And I I also get the other side of the argument.
1: Yeah, I I read an article in the Daily Orange. It was uh, titled, White People Trying to Embody Black Features is Wrong. Um, But it, it talks about, you know, having a deep, dark tan in the middle of winter that's achieved through sprays and tanning beds. And it says, quote, darker skin tones are praised, when artificial, but demonized when na- natural. It's offensive to students who are black, indigenous, and people of color. It devalues the struggle as people of color throughout history. I don't necessarily think that's the motivation, mm-hmm. but certainly can be perceived to be that way.
0: Well, which then begs that question for me, because then it's it's a deeper question here about racism. Because clearly. Darker skin is not necessarily you know looked at as ugly when it's being imitated. It must not be the skin color that's the issue. So what's that what's the real issue behind racism? I've always kind of wondered about that and and I think sometimes that's why I like to tear, you know, sometimes I like to tear down some of these r- religious you know, uh, texts because I think, That issue, there's a a deeper issue there that comes through some of our spiritual scriptures. And I think it's embedded and nobody really wants to talk about it publicly anymore. But I think there's a deeper issue there and skin tone just and skin color just happens to be the most obvious thing that you can point out.
1: Well, Aliki, I, I think we're going to be talking more about this in the future. Right? I agree. We've talked around racism. We've talked about colorism. We've talked about other things. But the root of racism is something that uh, we'll have to explore more in a future topic.
0: No doubt, Den. I think we've hardly scratched the surface at this point.
1: Aliki, it's always a pleasure exploring the many shades of gray with you. And for all of you listening out there, please keep an open mind and join us next time for
0: Black, white, but mostly gray. Namaste, my friends.